Welcome back to the Fantasy Front Office Podcast for the week of February 19th, 2018. The Hot Stove News, J.D. Lands, and all sorts of NL East breakdowns. And now, entering your ears, your Fantasy Front Office. With me in the front office this week, Phil, Keith, and Todd. Guys, we have a major signing and a Padre signing as well. Uh, Let's kick it off with J.D. Martinez is now a Boston Red Sox. Kind of the only offer on the table, but what does this do for his fantasy impact? I don't think it helps it too much. I mean, it was probably a neutral move, I guess. I think he he did really well in Chase Field with the Diamondbacks. I don't know what his slash line was, but it was something like, you know, hit 385, you know, 450, something crazy. So he had unbelievable numbers with the Diamondbacks, but the Boston team really needed that offense. If you look at their projected lineup and their slug before the J.D. Martinez signing, it was awful. I mean, almost half of their team had league average or below slug. So to add his 2000. 17, you know, 690 slug into that lineup basically revamps it overnight. What other guys have are impacted by this move? There's a lot of talk of Hanley Ramirez having reduced at bats because of this. Todd, do you see anybody else suffering at bat loss due to this? Probably be Mitch Moreland. So the first baseman, both Moreland and Ramirez, due to the fact that JD is probably going to DH a lot. And even when he does play outfield, that could just move another outfielder to DH. So this isn't the best news for them but they're already not super high drafted players. Yeah, one thing I wanted to say is I'm kind of just glad that he didn't land in Arizona because all that humidor stuff that's going on. I know you guys are like, wait, what the hell is he talking about? But almost seriously, though, I think that it does actually boost his value a little bit to go against what Keith was saying a second ago. I think their lineup is actually going to be pretty decent with the full season of Devers. And I think that ballpark itself might actually end up being a better hitters ballpark than Arizona this year, as crazy as that's going to sound. All right. So next of the major signings, Eric Hosmer is now a Padre for the at least next five years what does this actually do for him fantasy wise because his career has kind of been he's good one year bad the next and has just been a roller coaster does this do anything for him or to him i think it's pretty much a neutral thing royals park is coffin stadium is uh is pretty pitcher friendly and you know so is san diego so i think that's kind of a wash out there in san diego i think that they're actually starting to build a decent team too they have some young prospects that should be coming up shortly the near future i think it's a net neutral and they you know maybe two years down the line three years down the line i think it might even be a positive thing for him yeah i mean this year alone the padres should have a better lineup than the royals the royals are kind of in shambles right now and the padres have a young emerging roster you know at the end of the day over the course of five years this might be at least better than what the royals would have been for eric cosmer on to the next major item of news. Tampa Bay went on uh, a little bit of a bender the other night. Designated Corey Dickerson for assignment. 
traded the Angels for C.J. Crone and also traded away Jake Odorizzi to Minnesota. For nothing. <laughs> for Jermaine uh, <laughs> Palacios. Uh, pretty much a AAA shortstop. The shortstop they got was not even part of their their top 30 prospects entering the year. So he was not good. Apparently no one wanted Jake Odorizzi is, I guess, what we gained from that. Cardinals fans wanted Jake Odorizzi, though, I'll tell you that. So I just don't understand why you would get rid of Dickerson as far as with how cheap he is. I mean, I guess you don't want to pay somebody five million or whatever, but you just went through like an agreement where you're going to pay him that much kind of arbitration. And then now you're not. So it's kind of a weird situation. And Corey Dickerson's definitely a case to uh, keep your eye on. If he lands in a good spot, he's going 50th overall for outfielders, 206 overall. Dude was an all-star last year, uh, 27 homers, I believe. So keep an eye on Corey Dickerson where he lands and, and Diggerson overall is a pretty streaky player based on what his approach is how aggressive he is on pitches outside of the zone so when he's hot and he's feeling things he can hit for a 300 plus batting average and when he's kind of off it can be pretty ugly from time to time kind of like it was in the second half so um, I don't expect him really wherever he lands in 2018 to be as bad as he was in the second half but he's a player if he gets hot he can hit you know 300 plus and 10 home runs in, in, a, in a month without even blinking and as Phil mentioned, man, the humidor news seems like it was so long ago, but it's still within the news cycle. Uh, let's hold on to that topic, put it in the pocket, and cover that because we can expand on that a lot as more of the projections are rolling out here uh, for what it does to Arizona hitters, what it could do for Arizona pitchers. We'll leave that as a tease for a future show. So coming up after the break, we are going to dive into the NLE. Diving into the NL East, we are going to start with Miami because seemingly of the NL East, their closer situation is pretty secure right now with Brad Ziegler as closer. What other bullpen arms should people keep an eye on in hold leagues or somebody who could potentially steal that closer position? Todd? Well, first off on Brad Ziegler, last season's stats, he's a guy who's going to give you around a 6K per 9, so he's not a high strikeout guy. The last season, he had a 6-5 ERA going into June where he went on the DL. Struggled with a rib injury the first half of the season, but in the second half, he came back and had a 2-flat ERA. While the Marlins might not win a lot of games, Brad Ziegler is the closer and he did have success the second half of the year but the top guy obviously is Kyle Bearclaw um, a guy who's going to be well over 10k per 9 the high strikeout guy he's going to be the number one guy for holds eighth inning guy and he'll be the limiting closer one day for Miami any additional arms guys no one thing about Bearclaw is is you have to have the stomach for the the lack of consistency and the walks definitely don't watch his games if you own him it's going to be really tense <laughs> no I'm, I'm being serious like, yeah. you're, you're probably going to drop him at some point during the season if you watch his games because they're pretty crazy. Like, he'll walk the bases loaded and then strike everybody out. It's unbelievable. So, you just definitely throw him in there and, and he'll do his thing. But, yeah, he's pretty much the only guy in the bullpen I would touch. 
I do have one that I'll jump in real quick for for holds leagues. Um, it's a guy who I've drafted in almost every single league this year, primarily the the deeper formats that are saves plus holds. But it's uh, and I might butcher his last name, but it's uh, Drew Steckenrider. Close enough, but he put up a two 2.34 ERA last year. His 37 games, his strikeout per nine was 14. A bit of a walks issue, as you might be able to see, but definitely kind of an up and comer in that bullpen. Just 26 years old. He's somebody who I've been kind of stashing in holds leagues based on that strike. Got right. Nice. Now let's head to the Atlanta Braves. Aradis Viscaino has pretty much locked down that closer position. He's been a consistent force in that bullpen over the last three, four years. Really nobody to challenge him actually looking at their roster. Anybody else picking up something out of this Braves bullpen? The other Jose Ramirez is actually pretty decent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His caper nine is not that great, but I mean, he has pretty decent stuff. He had 27 holds last year, so in a holds league, he's definitely somebody you want to look out for. 24-year-old A.J. Minter has some upside, pitched in, in limited innings last year, but did pretty well in, in a small sample size so deep deep formats and holds you know i've i think i have like one share of him or, or kind of had him on my flags list and didn't end up with him but much deeper than what you probably would own in a standard league or in those only leagues exactly all right let's head to philadelphia their closer is hector neris uh they do have some other interesting arms in this bullpen for deeper leagues and holds leagues keith who jumps out at you in this bullpen? Well, Nishak for one. Wait, he's still in the, he's not in the Phillies anymore, is he? No, he's back. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, he's okay, signed, he's, he's he was gone, and then he's back. Yeah, he, he's definitely one that's appealing for me. He had an unbelievable season last year, uh, one point five or one point six ERA, WHIP under one. Um, not going to strike out, you know, a ton of batters, but definitely had an unbelievable season that he can kind of build on. Yeah, I agree. Nishak is definitely a guy you want to own. Dating back to 2014, his worst ERA is 3.62. I mean, he's got 1.87, 3 3.62, 3.06, 1.12, 2.45, and 1.59. So that's definitely somebody you want to own. He's got excellent control, excellent whip. He's not going to strike a whole, whole bunch of guys out, but he's going to get a lot of ground balls and, and do the right thing. Todd, go ahead. Yeah, he actually had a 9-9 caper 9. That was a career high. Usually he's in the low 8s, high 7s. So last yeah. year he was able to strike guys out too. So Nishak, awesome holds guy. Now the other arm that's interesting in this bullpen is a guy that used to be a starter uh, and has moved to the bullpen and last year had under a 1 whip, a 2-6-1 ERA, and 25 holds. That's Tommy Hunter, uh, new free agent acquisition for the Phillies. Somebody else to keep on your radar in case Neris kind of falters. He may be somebody that they would slot in, kind of helping out in that closer position. Hunter's going in the uh, pick 600, so he's definitely a deep draft guy. Yeah, he'll be down there with Luke Gregerson somewhere in the 600s. Right. <laughs> Why I oughta. Don't trigger him. <laughs> All right, now let's get to some of these volatile bullpens in the NL East. Washington. Listed as closer is Sean Doolittle, uh, but they've got some other, they've got four or five or six guys that could definitely step in and take over that closer role. Which guys are you seeing? Well, what's funny about it being volatile is is it isn't because none of the guys are good. It's because all of the guys are good. Doolittle, Madsen, and Kensler are three guys that definitely stand out. Cody Glover and Sean Kelly were guys that went into last year as the two guys that were supposed to be the closer. So there's at least five guys in that pen that have a legitimate chance of closing. 
thing. I think Doolittle does have the stuff to hold it for most of the season, and the Madsen would probably be the setup guy for me for, again, most of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, because uh, Dave Martinez, the new manager, did announce that Sean Doolittle will open the season as the closer, and hopefully with Martinez, there'll be a little bit more stability at the closer position, not so much moving around changing that, that Dusty Baker had. So hopefully that's a good sign for, for Doolittle. Yeah, I agree. I think Doolittle would be the one that I would want to own in this, and I wouldn't really shy away from him just because there's somebody, you know, as skilled as Ryan Matson in the bullpen and, and other guys that, you know, like Phil said, that potentially could take over that role. I really want to own him as long as the price tag's not too high this year. I think that's a good team to get a, a lot of saves, a lot of holds on, and Doolittle's performed when healthy over the last several years. Uh, Matson's coming off a great year himself. I don't think he's quite 49 years old, but I think he's getting really close. <laughs> Almost. Uh, 37 and a half. Um, 37 and a half. All right. So just just about 50. So so yeah, I think <laughs> Doolittle would be the one that I'd want to own. And the thing about Doolittle is, is as, as Keith was mentioning, he's going around pick 140. He's not going to have 100 strikeouts, but he might get you 80 <laughs> if, you know, he throws a full season. And, and the thing about sub three ERA, sub one whip, that's definitely a great value at pick 140. All right, on to the New York Mets. There are all sorts of confusing rumors coming out of the Mets organization right now. They were talking that Yuri's Familial will be the closer, and then they were like, no, we're actually going to go more of a committee. And then of late, they've been more, uh, no, he's our guy kind of thing. So what arms in this bullpen are worth owning? The ones that are healthy? Which is always a question with the Mets. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I'm not really targeting any of these guys, not guys that I'll probably end up with in any of my drafts. Familia is a nice pitcher. I'm not a big Ramos fan. Swarzak had a great 2017, but the confusion and that I don't feel like really any of them are at a great value, I'm, I'm probably not going to end up with very many shares of these guys and the fact that they're on the Mets. Right. <laughs> yeah, both those guys had uh, walks per nine over five last year, and if there's not one guy getting the saves or all the saves, then it's a really tricky situation now. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything. The only one that I might consider owning is Swarzak, but his lack of track record, uh, as Keith was mentioning earlier, is probably not something I'm going to get in bed with either. Yeah, like you said, he's he's the one that I probably would end up with, but it's got to be in a super deep holds league and there's probably other guys at that point that you probably could snag. So if you don't get him as one of your targets, it's not that big of a loss. Yeah, I agree. All righty. Well, we'll head to break and come back with our most overdrafted players. Rotoware.com. Rotoware. Big shout out to the Rotoware uh, company. It's so goddamn comfortable. Can't recommend them enough, man. Yeah. High quality t shirts. Shout out to Rotoware.com. You see me rocking the shirts on the videos and stuff like that. Where'd you get that? Rotoware. That is courtesy of Rotoware. It's just it's just the highest quality of shirts. Yeah, I really like the baseball designs you got here. The shirt is beautiful. Everybody who I've talked to who has the shirt basically says they can't believe how good the quality is. Yeah, kid, I've seen you've been getting a lot of love. You said you've been only running for a little over a month. CBS guys are tweeting out shirts. I'm seeing fantasy personalities everywhere digging this guy's shirt. I love the Run DFS shirt. It comes with the baseball cards with all the different shirts on it. Rotoware on Twitter. Check out rotoware.com. Oh my God. Is this, is this shirt making love to me right now? Like, what's going on? I love this shirt. So, talking overrated players here. What do we see on the Marlins roster for a guy that's being drafted higher than he should be? 
Hey Keith, what position does JT Ramito play? <laughs> I was thinking the same I thing. Th- I think I think he's a catcher. All right, I think we found our guy. I agree. Ding 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 ding. Going at pick one twenty one. Yeah, that's a little up there. Now, granted, he might bring back top five value, but I don't think that top five value is worth top one hundred and twenty pick. Top five catcher value? No. Right. I don't think so. I think I'm probably, and I've said it about six times on the podcast already, so I, I apologize uh, for the five people that have listened to all six podcasts. But Gary Sanchez, it's it's Gary Sanchez or bust for me. So if I don't get Sanchez, which I probably won't because I don't want to pay the, the price tag for him, I'm just, I'm going to wait, wait, and wait, and wait, and pick my catcher in the 20th round or whatever it is. But I'm not, I'm not paying for catcher this year. All right. Anybody else on the roster? Overrated? Nobody really. I don't think anybody else is on the roster. I mean, not, not that they're being like, is anybody else actually being drafted? Like, Brinson's on there, and he's not overdrafted. Uh, Castro's on there, and he I had mean, a, a fine Justin season last year. But Bohr is still, like, first baseman 18. Castro's going, there. like, almost 300. So, yeah, he's he's definitely not being overdrafted. All right, let's turn our attention to the Atlanta Braves. Who is getting drafted higher than they should be? Is anybody going to say who I think they're going to say? Ronald <laughs> Acuna. Go ahead, make your case. Uh, he's totally an unproven commodity, and going at pick 111 right now, I'd say he's being overdrafted. I'll take him where he's going every day, but I'll probably going to have to take him earlier than that to get him in any leagues that I'm in. So obviously I disagree there, but I agree that Acuna is not something that's a proven commodity. The other person that's not a proven commodity is Ozzy Albies, and he's going around Albies. the same pick. I just don't think that he's going to do anything this year as far as around that value. So I think Ozzy Albies is the guy for me. I agree with you, Phil. I think in looking up and down that lineup, Ender Enciarte provides a decent amount of value. I'm never going to say Freddie Freeman's overdrafted. Ronald Lacuna at pick 111, I'll take him all day long. I've taken him as early as pick 85. In fact, like four months ago, I took him at pick 85 <laughs> in a mock draft and everybody made fun of me and I was like, all right, well, that's that's fine. Swanson, is he being drafted? Uh, 350. Yeah. Then he's probably being overdrafted. Um, but yeah, that's that's just that's just about it for me. Todd, did you have anybody else? I mean, for me, it just comes down to: Are you okay with having Okuna, who's only going to play probably 110 games? this year maybe at 120 but i mean i would go for albies that was probably my top one he's going a little too high for someone that hasn't proved a lot to major league level and i don't want i don't think you guys are necessarily down on albies because i know i'm not it's just i don't know if i'm willing to pay up for that high of a pick based on a really small sample size and i know that's the exact same argument for ronald lacuna but i don't feel like albies has top 10 potential in 2019 and i think we've discussed it enough on the podcast that we agree that ronald lacuna does so i'm willing to pay up that price tag with potentially getting 450 at bats of you know top 10 potential or top five outfield potential if i can get it well i think the other problem is is people are looking at albie's september and they're seeing all those stolen bases well he had four of them in one series against the mets so you can't really look too deep into it because it's obviously the mets and they're just a dumpster fire i mean i'm being serious about that so i mean ozzy albies isn't gonna get you 30 
stolen bases. I mean, Acuna could definitely still do that in in the 110 games that we were talking about. Is anybody going to get you 30 stolen bases anymore? Like, realistically, like, looking up and down the landscape of stolen bases, you have, like, four or five guys that you can look to as a lock to get over 30 steals? Yeah. Now, I'm kind of being a little facetious on this with saying Acuna is a little overdrafted, mostly because I'm looking at this season's value. If this were a, a single season redraft, whatever, he's being overdrafted for that format. But in a dynasty, I wouldn't say that he's overdrafted at 111. Oh, in a dynasty, he's going like top 15 right now. All right. So Jeremy, you're saying at pick 111, you're not in on Acuna, right? Yeah. So what other outfielders that are going around that pick would you be more interested in? Um, I'll give you a couple, you know, just, just this, real quick. So Hold on, this smells Matt, like maybe a potential uh, 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 I, I'm smelling what he's cooking. Uh, okay, so there's Matt Olson is going around that, that pick. You Quince have Ian Happ. You have Ender Enciarte. You have Eddie Rosario. You have Marwin Gonzalez. Ian Desmond. Yasiel Any of those? Uh, Yasiel Puig's going to be. You want Puig? I'll give you Puig. I'll go Puig. All right. So like full season value for 2018, you want Yasiel Puig and I get Ronald Acuna. Oh boy. Uh, I'll do it. Yes. yes. All right. I'll take that one. End of yeah, season can get, rating. Can I get in on that too? I mean, take credit on Keith's side too when that wins. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, yeah. But but not necessarily be written down in case I lose. No, it's on the board, man. <laughs> oh, all right, Todd, you're next, buddy. The only one that doesn't have a board that I think is Todd so far. Yep. All right, sorry to sidetrack you there, Jeremy. I saw an opportunity and I went for it. Yeah, I know. All right, building off of that, let's head to the Phillies. And who's overdrafted here, Phil? Uh, the only guy that I really saw as being overdrafted is Aaron Nola. He's just not a starting pitcher that... I'm going to probably be taking in the top five rounds that uh, in my draft. So he's definitely not somebody I'm taking at pick 66. Uh, he's not somebody that's done very bad over his career. I just don't think he has a track record of maybe a top 20 starter. Um, I can definitely, I can be taking, you know, where's Justin Verlander going? 50, something like that. I would much rather have him instead of Nola at pick 60, 66. Todd, who do you have? Yeah, mine was Aaron Nola, too. Another one I would have would be uh, Cesar Hernandez. Now, he's a little deeper ranked. He's at 243 overall. Second baseman, 19, though. So that is, in some leagues, potentially a starter if you start a just a middle infielder. But I think Scott Kingery might be up pretty much after the Super 2 cutoff. So that would be a guy. I mean, that's going to be a spot for the rebuilding Phillies. So Cesar Hernandez, that would be kind of the guy that I'm a little little worried about. Who's going around pick 243? I'm going to need to get that on on paper. (laughs) Cesar Hernandez is my boy, and I'm willing to die on that hill for him. Oh, really? So you're telling me Cesar Hernandez over... Who did you want? I'm going to take Nick Williams. So we'll stay the same team. Phillies outfielder. All right, let's do it. Put it on the board. I feel like somehow I get into all the board bets. <laughs> you you find a way of working yourself in there. My mom tells me that I draw a line in the sand and that I don't budge from the line. It's very true. I'll die for my fantasy players, <laughs> and Keith hates them all. Hashtag Keith hates my players. Just like four of them. I mean, really. <laughs> 
but it's the four we keep bringing up. And I'm sure they're very nice people, and they're like very kind and generous. They're just not a very good value. All right, let's turn our attention to our nation's capital and the Washington Nationals. Who is overdrafted here, Keith? Um, really nobody, I guess. I don't really have anybody that kind of jumps off the page as being overdrafted. Um, if I had to pick one, it'd be Matt Weeders, the catcher. I don't have one. I, I don't have an overdrafted <laughs> national at this point, which is crazy. I, I do think that each of them have their own place and their value based on the current ADP. And there's a few of them that I'd like to kind of sneak in there to have on my team as potential underdrafted, but we'll save that for a second. So uh, long story short, I don't think there's really anybody who is being massively overdrafted at this point. You know, I am of the same mindset here, Keith. I mean, what are you going to say? Bryce Harper's overdrafted at six or Trey Turner at eight. I mean, anyone beyond that, everybody else is a solid value where they stand at ADP. Todd, Phil, do you have any objections? Any guys that stand out to you? Hold yeah. on. I think this is a cop-out. This this is unfair. I no, think we need no, to I give mean... the listeners... <laughs> One one person each because I mean, there's nine people to pick from. There's got to be one person that we don't like at their value. Mine is Daniel Murphy, and the only reason is because of his knee injury. Uh, I just hate people that are injured when you draft them. Uh, it's definitely never anything fun. They can say he can be ready for opening day, but then he misses the first month and you didn't bake that in, and now you just missed a month of a guy that was a top five pick for you. So I probably will have no shares of Daniel Murphy this year. In fact, I traded him away in a couple of keeper leagues at a discount. I mean, does anybody object to Rendon at 54? I mean, yeah, I guess I do. Like, he had an unbelievable season last year, man. He could have and maybe should have received more MVP votes than he did. Um, so I'm not necessarily going to jump on that bandwagon saying he's overdrafted at 54. Um, the guy that I would pick, I guess, is Gio Gonzalez. I dug into him a little bit deeper for fan graphs a couple weeks ago. There's some kind of alarming trends with what his uh, pitch mix and velocity are. So I think maybe this is the year that uh, he kind of falls off a little bit. So I know he's not being drafted incredibly high, but I think there's a path for Gio Gonzalez to have a substantially worse ERA in 2018. Yeah, because if I had to pick one, mine would probably be Gio Gonzalez. Maybe a little Adam Eden, just because he's he's at 141 overall. Uh, he's coming off a torn ACL, and he he's only stolen over 15 bases in a season at the major league level once. For a guy who's going to be around 10 homers and 15 stolen bases, maybe... Adam Eaton might be the guy, but Geo's probably my top one for the Nationals. Yeah, I was actually on the probably overdrafted Adam Eaton bandwagon until like seven hours ago. <laughs> I, I did some research on some of the outfielders that are going right around him, like Polanco included in that mix. Um, and Poor so I compared guy. six of the outfield. Uh, I'll uh, do that. Eaton versus really? Polanco. Yeah, I'll do it. Oh, like wow. right, right, right away, just right off the cuff. Uh, you'll take Gregory Polanco over Adam Eaton? Yep. He was waiting for you to mention somebody who you wanted to go up against for because you, you were talking about that in the uh, notes before the show. <laughs> yeah, so that's actually a really good comparison because I think they're going about seven picks apart. You're going to give me seven picks because I think Adam Eaton's going a little bit ahead of him. Yeah. But if you look at their production over the last like thousand at-bats, 
It's not even close. Adam Eaton beats him in like seven of the 10 major categories. His on-base percentage is almost 70 points higher. His batting average is like 70 points higher. His stolen bases and, and home runs are comparable. Eaton's got, I think, 20 home runs or 20-something home runs in the last thousand at-bats. And Polanco has substantially more home runs. He's got 33, I think, in that sample. RBIs were, were quite a bit bigger, but I think the RBI production for Polanco could go down maybe in Pittsburgh this year. We'll, we'll kind of wait and see on that. But I will definitely take that bet, Todd. So you have your boy Gregory Polanco for the entire season, and I have Adam Eaton for the entire season. Yeah, sounds good to me. Sweet. City. Man, just getting it done here, Keith. All right, let's turn to the Mets then. Uh, who is overdrafted here? 100 times out of 100, I'm saying Ioannis Cespedes. I don't know why. I just hate Ioannis Cespedes with a passion deep down in my heart. He's going around pick 90 right now. And the only time I've ever owned him, I think he went like 0 for 35 for me. <laughs> Uh, not not joking. I, I seriously think that he did that. And I traded him and, and I think he hit like 10 home runs in the next two weeks. So yeah, I pretty much hate Ioannis Cespedes with a passion and anywhere is going to be overdrafted because I'm never drafting him again. How do you feel about Jonathan VR? I could envision a scenario where VR would be useful and not make me rage anymore. All right, I was just checking. I probably wouldn't rage drop him because me and my cousin Nolan, we actually... Hey, cousin I, Nolan, first appearance 2018. That's right. <laughs> Cousin Nolan and I no longer share a team in that league. One of the owners decided he was no longer wanting to be in the league because he wasn't accepting punishment for dropping all of his players in the middle of the season. So I took over his team and it was in shambles. I'm trying to work my way back out of the gutter. Rebuild city. Yeah, but it's only one year until the reset, which kind of sucks. So (laughs) I got the shaft, but it's okay. I got my own team. So that's what's up. All right. Keith, Todd, anybody overdrafted for you? Todd Frazier, where is he going? Todd Frazier, 246. Yep, he's overdrafted. Probably not, actually, but I just, I just can't get behind owning Todd Frazier. 250 is probably a fine value and, a, and a, like a, a good flyer, like in a deep league, but Todd Frazier is the type of person I just don't want to invest in. I just don't see a path for enough upside for him to jump from like being drafted at 250 to providing like top 150 value, and I prefer to have either take relievers around there or take guys who I think can jump 100 picks in production. Todd, anybody? For me, it would just still be, like we talked about earlier, the Mets closers. I don't want either one of them. Familia is going 18th overall for closers or relievers, so I think that's a little high. So for me, it's just a Mets bullpen situation. Excellent. Well, after the break, we are going to dive into some sleeper picks and those guys that are getting drafted way too late. Hey everybody, it's me, Joe Pizzapia. Baseball is back, and so is the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2018 edition. This year, I've got Paul Spore doing the starting pitching chapter. I've got Jake Seeley doing outfield profiles. I've got Sammy Reed doing DFS. we got championships waiting for you. Go get it right now, the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2018, available on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle and on iTunes, because once you go Black Book, well, you know the rest. Sleepers are the topic of choice right now, so we're going to talk guys that are being brutally underdrafted or those that could be sleepers coming up in this 2018 season. So, 
Let's dive into it here with Miami. Who jumps out at you as being criminally underdrafted or could be a sleeper? Keith? The first one to me is kind of a no-brainer. It's Lewis Brinson, and I know he's on a team who's not going to roll over that lineup very often, but he hasn't seen a, a fair share of at-bats in the major leagues ever. And, and so I think this is a year where a change of pace for him and some new scenery and being penciled into the, the heart of that lineup every single day can really benefit a young kid like him. So assuming some of the negativity that's surrounding that team right now doesn't influence him too much. I really like, you know, to get a sample of 250 at-bats out of him and what he can do at pick 300. That's crazy. Like, I'll take 10 shares of Lewis Brinson at pick 300 instead of, you know, some of these guys that are around the, the 250 range or even 200 range. That's that's insane. Phil? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree on Lewis Brinson. The only thing is, is that Boer, I think, is being a little underdrafted. The thing about him is, is he was having an awesome season last year. Had 25 home runs in only uh, 108 games. Had a batting average of 289, 366 on base percentage, and 536 slugging percentage. Definitely dominated. He's somebody that I want in 2018, especially with how late he's going. Almost picked 200. Yeah, and I agree about those points. Uh, Brinson past 300. That's insane. That might be one of the best values of the entire draft. And then obviously Bohr had a great breakout 2017. You're going to be able to get him late. Uh, people are definitely going to shy away from Marlins. So keep eye on those two. All right. Atlanta has a young core. So where are we looking at for sleepers or draft day steals? Yeah, nothing really kind of pops off the page to me as far as Atlanta. What about you guys? One guy for me is Luis Goa. I'm going to say his name wrong. Gohara? Gohara. There we go. He didn't really do the greatest Last year, he had a 4.9 ERA, but man, does he have electric stuff. Throws about 100. Really could just dominate out of the rotation. I believe he has a spot in the rotation for sure so far this year. It's going to be really fun to watch him. He's going about pick 250. And then for me, of course, with the Braves, brought up a lot before, but just real quickly, don't forget about the Tyler Flowers, Kurt Suzuki duo that you could possibly do at the end of the draft. 31 combined homers last year. Uh, both had an on-base percentage over 350. They're going past pick 350 actually both of them so just don't forget about those guys at the end of the draft and let's turn our attention to philadelphia now they also have a young core added with some veterans what are we seeing as underdrafted here i think you guys know what i was saying earlier that i'll take a stand and die on a hill for cesar <laughs> hernandez so i'm gonna say that he's a little undervalued at pick 243 in fact i saw uh something that was like player a player b and was showing just the raw numbers of like line drive rate yada 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 and it pretty much put him and Bogarts in the same class together which some would say you know is not the greatest thing because Bogarts hasn't done that great but Bogarts is being drafted much much earlier so just kind of hammers home the point that I think Cesar Hernandez being criminally underdrafted the one that kind of pops off to me and I'm not going to do a very good job of selling him as far as you know being underdrafted is Vince Velasquez going around pick 363 which is basically no man's land at that point he has filthy stuff. He's just never been able to control it. And we've seen pitchers like that take massive leaps forward if by some means they can kind of control their pitch or maybe be a little bit more aggressive in the zone. I mean, Archie Bradley's an example that, that kind of comes to mind. Uh, Luis Severino is a guy that comes to mind. We're waiting for Carlos Rodon to kind of figure that out. So I, I really like his stuff. And he's a pitcher that 
if he kind of puts it together, maybe he adds a pitch, maybe he just kind of attacks the zone a little bit differently. He can shoot up 100 or 200 picks, you know, in, in a matter of months. So he's somebody who has a late, late flyer, has good enough stuff to, I think, invest in. For sure. Actually, with him, he did end up having some hand surgery there towards the end of the season in September. And apparently it was about due to circulation problems in his hand, which circulation problems can add to the feel and how you release and all sorts of issues. So if that corrects some of his feel for the pitches, that may just shoot him back up the draft boards come next year. Absolutely. All right, heading to Washington. Who's getting underdrafted here? I think if 150 is the cutoff point, um, I have two guys actually, Ryan Zimmerman and Michael A. Taylor. Taylor because he's got the 2020 upside and Zimmerman just because he can put together a season like he did last year. 36 home runs, 108 RBIs, 303 batting average. I just don't understand why he's going so late. The only thing that worries about Taylor is, isn't Robles coming pretty soon? Uh, Robles should be coming up pretty soon. Their plan is to assign him to Triple A to start the season. If if he keeps up what he did last year, they can't really keep him down very much longer. Because if he plays, I mean, the bats are going to come from Taylor and obviously not Harper and Eden. So that's, I think, the only concern right now, Michael Taylor. But Yeah, uh, and, and to be fair, you know, using the same argument that kind of Phil's throwing at me as far as the Brewers go, I mean, you have two outfielders who have been injured substantially you know, a decent amount in their career being an Adam Eaton and Bryce Harper. So um, he only needs one of the outfielders to get more at-bats in there for for Victor Robles. And I agree with Phil 100% on Michael A. Taylor. I think his skill sets and production, you know, per plate appearance mirrors, you know, somebody else who's being drafted in the top 50s. I'm not going to name any names, but it's Byron Buxton. And, you know, one of those guys (laughs) is being... You know, just the hype is out of absolutely freaking control right now. And if you look at them, they're both pretty terrible hitters with with a decent amount of speed. One's being drafted at 220 and the other one's being drafted at 60. So I'm going to take the guy at 220, you know, 100 percent of the time. All right. Since you threw my boy boxing under the bus, I'm going to throw out here that everyone wants to talk about how bad of a hitter he is and how he's only a speed guy. But he's got legitimate power, too, that no one ever talks about. If he ever just fills into his frame just a little bit more than being that beanpole that he is. Man, he could have a fantastic year. Not saying it's necessarily going to be this year, but I just, I'm never going to stop. I'll never quit Byron Buxton. He's my boo for life. (laughs) All right. Well, let's look at our last team in the NL East, the New York Mets. Who is getting underdrafted here? Um, Jose Reyes? Jose Reyes was the only guy that I saw, too. And I don't know why it's a question. I mean, they just re-signed him. So, hey, how about that? Jose Reyes had a really productive 2017. And I know he's not slotted for regular at-bats. But, yeah, if you look for somebody who could kind of, you know, have another sneaky, really good season at the age of 34, 35, Reyes is one of the guys who I think I'd be willing to invest in late, late in drafts. (sighs) Med Rosario is tough, man, for me because – he had such big hype coming into the season, and I think he walked like two times in like 150 at bats, which is really not something you want to see from a young no. hitter. Um, and I'm probably like I'm probably you know making up half of that. So go back and look at what it is. But I mean, he had a really tough stretch of seeing the ball or not seeing the ball, and so you kind of want him to put together a really strong spring. And if you see something like that from him, I think I'd be willing to invest again. You didn't lie too much. It was three times in 165 at bats. Wow. <laughs> (laughs) Okay. I knew it was bad. And sometimes I make stuff up. So I'm a lot more reliable reliable on Twitter than I am on here. So the one guy that, man, I don't even want to really 
say this out loud, but Todd Frazier, I think, is going so late, especially in like an on-base percentage league. I think that he just is being underdrafted. The powers there last year. What did he have? A two or wait, a 344 on-base percentage. Yeah. 27 home runs, a couple stolen bases chipped into. He's not a guy that's dead in any category for you, and except if you're in a batting average league. So I think he's a guy that I would target in, in most of the leagues I'm in because we don't really do batting average. Jose Reyes is also potentially going to get some starts in the outfield this year, trying to keep everybody fresh, I guess. And get that extra eligibility, baby. Yeah. Be, there you go. Be playing everywhere except first and catcher. <laughs> Legit. I don't know if you guys have heard this yet, but Jose Reyes, in addition to playing outfield, um, they may actually like play around with him in the rotation because they've had really bad injuries. <laughs> He'll take that Matt Harvey slot. Yeah. If you see him in spring out of the rotation, the yeah, he's he's actually he's warming up. He's he's getting ready, you know, getting that 35-year-old arm just just cranked up and ready. Just in case, if at any point any one of those Mets starters go down, they're taking super utility to a whole new level. I mean, he probably throws harder than Bartolo Colon, so. <laughs> <laughs> My dogs didn't like that joke, apparently. <laughs> apparently not. Oh, man. That seems like a good place to probably uh, call it quits for the night. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this has been an exciting dive into the NL East. Some teams uh, are better off than the others uh, for your fantasy baseball needs. So where can the people find you, Phil? I am Phil, and I am at the Baseball Jedi. Todd? At Goldie Happens. And Keith? All right, I am Keith at Fantasy underscore Keith. Lots of writing going on at FanFrontOfficePodcast.com. So if you guys want to bounce on over there real quick, we have a, a few new writers um, that are contributing to the site. Be sure to check it out. For sure. We are working on a little bit more of rankings and starting pitching. Excellent article written up by Justin on benchmarking all of the different projections. My catcher article is in various stages of completion. I have been Jeremy at Front Office Jer. Follow us on Twitter at Fan Front Office. Definitely check out the home on the web fanfrontofficepodcast.com and we have position players reporting this week guys baseball is back this weekend 